you guys have your Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter 22. Um, uh, Jim asked before service, how many sermons do we have left? We actually have uh, uh, four, including this one. And then on uh, February 6th, I'm asking you all to rack through your mind. We've been in Revelation for over a year now. Um, Rack through your mind and your heart and see what parts of Revelation stuck out to you. Then put pen to paper, write it down, and then come on February 6th and share that with us. It could be um, something as simple as, you know what? When we were reading it through this time, this verse, I just really liked it. And then you read that verse and you walk off and that's fine. And we're going to, we'll collect and we'll do, um, so I'm inviting you all to, in essence, put your thoughts down. This is for uh, children. You guys can participate. If there was something that stuck out to you in Revelation, that would be wonderful. We'd love to hear from you. This is for women and men alike. We would just like to hear um, people's uh, thoughts. And um, I know that this this is new, right? We've got, I put the signs out. Do you guys remember those? Like we used to have them. We haven't had them in a long time. Uh, maybe even next week we'll have coffee. I don't know. Like it'll be, a, we're turning a new leaf, 2022. But it, um, Revelation actually had a graphic made and then we went in, uh, we, were, we were in COVID for Revelation and we never used it. So, but this is the graphic and um, that you can see it was a letter from Jesus about Jesus to churches in crisis. And I feel like it's, uh, it's been an apt description of where we've, been at, where we've been at with all the confusion that's happened during this time. And um, by the way, this reminds me, we planned to do Revelation before COVID hit. And if you don't believe me, uh, ask Angie. She's, she'll tell you the truth. So, um, but that is true. But uh, Zeke, if you can go to the next, the next one. Uh, this, is, this is the prayer. So if we could all pray this together, and then I'm going to read the text and we'll get into it. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation 22, 10 through 15. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and let the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous do what is right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to the tree of life and they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices a falsehood. Last week, we talked about what it is to be expectant for Jesus to come back. This is what Revelation 21 and 22 is all about. And and as we came out of Advent and into the end of Revelation, we're talking about hope and anticipating, anticipating that Jesus will return, will come back at any moment. And what a beautiful thing it is. And it looks like if you go outside to the world, it looks like the end times are out there. It looks like the end, but I would argue that it always has looked like the end times have been out there. And as we see that, 
we wait with eager anticipation that Jesus may come back soon. And as we live out this hope and as we wait for it, our lives are shaped by the faith that we have in Jesus that he will one day return. And this is not a guess for us as Christians. This is certainty. Even though I believe in a lot of mystery and a lot of things are mystery to us, one thing that we do know is that Jesus is coming back. We just don't know the time. So we get to wait with eager anticipation for it. And this waiting shapes us. It sharpens us. I hope it doesn't dull in us with the anticipation. I hope that it doesn't just wear us down. But we long for the day to be with Jesus and to be like Jesus. Amen? Better is one day in your house, in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. Psalm 80, uh, I believe it's 84 would say. Generally speaking, we long for things on earth to get better. Amen? I know I do, and I, I would guess that you guys do too. We long for things in our life to get better. Uh, as those, uh, we are trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to believe that he will answer all our current woes. We think about these things that Jesus says he'll answer. Like sickness, lying, greed, racism, unjust practices. All of these will melt away in Jesus' eternal presence. His light is so strong that it'll push back the darkness that sin has spread on this world like a tablecloth. And what do we do? We wait with hope, expectant hope. We, we know that Jesus will be with us and do his work in this world. We just hope that it's today. We long for it to be now. Last week, we also looked at the words of the messenger and how these words will pass away. And in, in a way, Scripture will not be needed because the fulfillment of them will be totally found in Christ in a perfect way. Prophecies that this book speaks about will have come to pass and we'll be able to say how it happened and not wonder how it will happen. And God's Word will never pass away. But in that, Jesus is the Word. He will rule and reign as the lion and the lamb who was slain. His reign is absolutely eternal. And 1 Corinthians tells us that faith, hope, and love will last forever, but prophecy will not. It has its time and it has its place. But this week, we see that even if the scriptures will one day be fulfilled, we will no longer rely on them to follow Jesus because we will be with him face to face. We will see him perfectly. Until then, we need the words of Scripture. We need the Scriptures to lead and guide us. The time is near. It is soon, but it is not yet. Prophecy, prophecy's time and place in our life is still needed, and it still guide, guides us. Now, when I speak of prophecy, I'm not just speaking in just in terms of Scripture. I'm talking about that 100%, but even the words that God gives us for our life and the life of our friends to encourage us. I'm talking about words of wisdom. I'm talking about dreams and visions. Um, all of these things help and lead us walk with Jesus. And you guys know that I believe in prophecy. Um, in Well, I hope that you know that I believe in prophecy in the scripture form. And I hope that you know, uh, you guys know me well enough to know that I also believe in like visions and words and words of affirmation and stuff like that. But the truth is, is that prophecy, whether it comes through dreams or words or knowledge or visions or anything like that, has to line up with Scripture. 
It has to line up with scripture. It has to bring some part of scripture to bear witness in our lives that we might not have been thinking about because we need scriptures to lead us and guide us. And at times there are parts of scriptures that God wants to speak specifically into our lives. Maybe it's for a specific time. Maybe it's for uh, even longer than that. There are verses that people have spoken over my life and said, I think God wants you to hear this that have stuck with me more than other parts of scripture have in life. And God has asked that prophecy not be filled up until Revelation 22 after verse 10 at least. And as we wait, he knows that we're going to need it. Amen? He knows that we will need words of encouragement. He knows that we're going to need the scriptures. He knows that at time we're going to need help finding these words and he can put it on people's heads and hearts that say, hey, I just want to share this with you. And he knows how they will fit into our lives. He knows that we need them. Now, sometimes prophecy speaks about things to come, not just things that are going on your, in your life, but they'll reveal maybe something that's, that's happening. It's not a fortune telling or anything like that. It's not something we can conjure up. But there's pictures of this in Scripture. There was a prophecy in Luke chapter 2 where that Simeon, a righteous man who was in Jerusalem and at the temple, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would see the Lord's Christ. That he would see Jesus before he passed away. And you know what? Scripture wrote it down. Scripture recorded it. He did. How long before Christ came was this revealed to Simeon? We don't know. We can, we can only guess. It may be, it may be a, a day. It may be a week. It may be a year, 10 years, even longer. We don't know. But Simeon held on to faith, to this word that was spoken. He knew that he was waiting for the Christ and he saw the Christ. And Simeon needed that word of prophecy to help him wait for Jesus, to expect for Jesus. And there are times when we need a word to help us wait with faith and with expectation. Also at the temple with Simeon was Anna the prophetess. Her whole life was dedicated to worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came to the temple on the day Jesus was dedicated and she saw him and she knew that he was the Christ. She had seen the promised one of God that she had met in person, the one who would redeem Israel. And she was a prophetess and her prophecies give many faith even to this day. She saw it and believed. And in that might we be able to see and believe in Jesus as well. In Revelation, we have been shown some future events. Some of them, I don't, we don't know exactly what they will play out like. And um, that often, by the way, happens in prophecy. If someone gives you a word, you, like I, you don't know how it's going to play out or when it's going to play out. But we can be sure that they will happen. And in the meantime, we wait. We wait for Jesus to return. We wait for the promise and blessing that God said would take place. And as we are wait. We are also shown that there are people who don't wait and don't believe like we do. There will be some who don't share the same convictions about Jesus. There will be some who don't even share the same basic sense of morality that we do about goodness, about how to treat one another. We are instructed in scriptures to treat others how we would want to be treated, right? Do unto others as you would have do unto you. But not everybody agrees with this and follows this way. Amen? 
Not everybody believes it is good to love your neighbor as yourself, let alone love Jesus above all things. We know this is a living fact. Verse, verse 11 for us is very honest. There are evildoers and they still do evil. There are filthy and they still do filthy. And here we are instructed as we wait to let them still do evil and be filthy. And yet we are to be righteous and do what is right. In other words, as we let others do evil, not condemning or agreeing with it, not necessarily even being silent about it, but we can see that things that we simply have to walk right in the light of God and in his instruction for us. We need to rely on Jesus for this, for his grace to be able to live and walk righteously because we need his righteousness and we need his guidance to do this rightly. And we get to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus at all times. This will keep us from doing the evil and living in filth. As Christians, we are, we are taught... How many of you guys have heard in church that Christians are world changers? That we change the world, right? I actually kind of like it. I kind of like it. But this message and this word, this prophecy that we have about Jesus to get into the world as we are sent as its messengers, this is true. But we are not the one who changes hearts. Amen? It's not our job. We are not the shapers of an individual's or a people's group's lives. We live for Jesus and there will be times where we share our beliefs in Jesus and people will take notice and God will use this to speak into their lives. So we, are, we keep speaking out. We keep speaking up for Jesus. We get to be God's mouthpiece of reconciliation. We get to denounce all the evil that's in this world in every way, shape, and form and be God's mouthpiece for reconciliation for man and God through Jesus Christ. We get to do this. As for us, I, I think I read this week, and it wasn't a part of my like sermon preparation, but it turned out to be, I guess. Wendell Berry has an essay called Think Small. And in his essay, uh, in his essay, he argues that too often movements get focused on the big picture, the big changes that need to happen. And we then neglect to take the steps to change that we need in our own life. We see, how many of us see all the evil and the filth? Not all of it, but we see some of it that is in this world. We see, certainly see a need for the changes. We all have our different ideas and solutions about how the changes may come into being. But are we willing to do the work to change the evils and filth that seem to cling to our lives by taking a look at our own lives and our own steps that we take? And this is harder and oftentimes not as easy to see in our own lives. Are we willing, willing to take the small steps of following Jesus moment by moment, step by step? And in that, that we might be a world changer simply by paying attention to what Jesus is doing in our lives? I don't think this verse when it says, let, that we need to be silent or not speak up against violent or oppressive or, or oppression or racism and whether that's be systemic or personal. We can't tolerate it because it goes against the life, the life to the fullest that Jesus has promised us, that he wants us to live out. Because as Christians, we live differently. And in that, we don't have to worry about how everybody else is living. 
If we can live out our convictions, if we can follow Jesus with this step and then the next step and then the next step, then we don't need to worry ourselves about all the worlds, the woes of the world and who's doing what. Do we get to be aware? Absolutely. Do we get to avoid pitfalls? Please let us avoid these fit, put, footfalls or pitfalls. But worry about what everybody else is doing? It's not our job. It's not our job. We've got enough to focus on as we get ready to take this next step for Jesus with Jesus. We get to listen to his voice and pay attention to him and follow him and seek to live righteously and do what is right. And I pray that we may be able to think and act small. And then in, over a lifetime of thinking and acting small, there will be a huge change. There will be a huge change. We're reminded that this is going on. We, and if we have doubts that Jesus is coming back, even if the filth in this world makes us doubt, the goodness of God exists in Christ. And we are reminded, he reminds us that he is real. He reminds us over and over and over again in Revelation and throughout Scripture that he was there at the beginning and he will be there at the end, that he will repay each one according to their deeds, which is also a pretty strong argument for not worrying about others and living the life that God has given you through the grace that Jesus so desperately wants to provide for you. He will do this. Let there be no question, but only patience as we wait for him. We know uh, that we can turn away from our evil and filth. And we hope and pray that others will do this as well. There, we can only do this through the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. But there are those who will enter the gates of God's kingdom, and there are those who will not. Those who are bad folks. I actually did a word study on this word dog, which was kind of interesting because I was like, okay, are you calling us just an animal? What are you calling us? Like, what, what is this used in verse 15? And it's, and it's as simple as it sounds that there are basically bad folks. There are people who do bad, who love bad and really don't care about good unless it is only good for them. There are dogs in this world, and I'm not talking about the cute, playful, loyal creatures that God has given to people and that some people love with all their hearts. I'm talking, this is talking about dogs as in there are evildoers. There are people who are not good. But I also looked up the word sorcerer because I was like, okay, dogs means that. What does sorcerer mean? Now, I have very powerful word search engines, right? I don't actually use Google. I use something else. But, um, but I looked up the word sorcerer. And along with it meaning one who practices magic and like following uh, and, and getting people to follow a power that is other than God, there's also a meaning to this word that speaks about dealers of drugs and poisons. Part of this meaning, this word sorcerer, is one who deals in, po uh, in poisons with the desire to negatively impact the one that they are giving it to. And this blew me away. I'm like, so this is drug dealers. Yes, this is in part drug dealers. Ancient sorcerers, you would have gone to them for herbs and remedies and all sorts of different things that would take you out of your state of mind and into an alternate state of mind. That's exactly what drugs doing, to take them out of their right state of mind. The scripture also mentions the sexually immoral, those who are deviant in their beliefs and actions in this way. This is someone who practices 
with the intent of selfishness and harm of others. Also mentioned is murderers, and this is ones whose actions lead to the death of another person. This can be a, like an instantaneous thing or something that happens over time. A taker of one's life is not a good thing to be. Life belongs to Jesus. The breath of life belongs to him. And he is the one who gives life. And so when somebody snuffs out that life, it is not ever seen as a good thing. Then we have idolaters, those who make gods out of anything and follow them and worship them. We've covered this in great length over our time in Revelation, and we'll continue to do this as we work through the scriptures the rest of our lives. But every time we see idolater, we need to take inventory to see, is there anything that we take more serious than following Jesus? I mean, if anything for us as Christians, like this is a leveling playing field. Like we can't just point to the bad people. I don't really feel like I'm a dog, but I feel like there's times when I have idols in my life. It's kind of levels the playing field and that we don't want to be somebody who um, follows these false gods more than we follow Jesus. Last but not least, we have um, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I love that. Everyone who loves and practices falsehood, it's kind of like this catch-all for someone who can't see if they fit anywhere else. It's like, but do you love falsehood? Yeah, kind of. Okay, there you go. There's your category. There are those who don't love God or care about Jesus at all. It's real. It's honest. They will not be able to enter the city of God. And yet, as we are honest, there are some items on this list of of those who don't make it into God's gates that should keep us humble, should keep us walking before God with fear and trembling. We are tempted by some of these things more than others. But there is one thing that makes a difference, and that is the washing of our robes in the blood of the Lamb. What we wear as followers of Jesus is not self-righteousness. It's not like, hey, I figured out the way you better follow me as I follow Christ. It's not self-righteous. It's not self-justification. Well, I mean, I did study and read my Bible every morning this, or every day this, this week. It's not self-anything. We wear the pure white garments that Jesus so unselfishly provided for us. We are not reliant on self at all. We are 100% reliant on Jesus. He is the only one who can take our filth and our evil and exchange them for his righteousness. He did this for us and he wants us to rely on him for right living and right actions in this world. Jesus, who was blameless, perfect. He always did what was right. He knew that we wouldn't be able to do this. So what did he do? He lived in our place. He died the death that we deserve. Jesus felt forsaken and put out so that we might be able to put on the robes that Jesus provided and we might feel accepted forever by God. Our sins are taken away and our forgiveness is complete. Our acceptance into God's kingdom is complete only by the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. So in turn, we get to live for Jesus. We get to repent and admit in the ways that we don't line up. And then we get to live small to make a great impact that Jesus would have us make. And we get to let Jesus cleanse us as we wait for him. And we do this day by day and moment by moment. I pray this text is an encouragement to wait patiently for Jesus and to have 
uh, our faith work in and through us. And may we continue to do this until Jesus comes back soon. I have to change my glasses because I'm going to read something with a little finer print. Uh, But after I was done writing this sermon, we normally would pray there. I do this thing. You guys, you guys know this. I do this thing in the Psalms where I have these little blocks of wood and I pull out five or however many. If I'm falling behind, it's sometimes eight or ten. Like if I'm falling behind in my reading. But I pulled out five uh, blocks of wood this morning. And, the first, and I line them up in order. And I start with the first one, go through the end. And I use this because I believe the Psalms are prayers for us. These are prayers for us that we get to pray and they pray into our life and, and help us pray out our life as we get to live it. And when I, when I pulled it out today, I pulled out this one and I'm going to end our time by praying Psalm 37. It's a little bit longer than other ones, so just bear with me. Pray that You guys, will you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, we do not fret of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For they, like the grass, will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though they look Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and the needy to slay those whose ways are upright but their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the, wicked, than the wealth of the wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he cuts off or those he curses will be cut off. If the if the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps. Though he stumbles, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always, uh, they are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever." 
For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouths of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord. Keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off from you or when the wicked from cut off, you will see. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourish like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passes away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless, observe the upright. There, there is a future for man of peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in a time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. In Jesus' name, amen.